to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 12, you don't have to turn to it. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now, as a former coach, listening by the players was so crucial. But how many of us, myself included, listen 100% of the time? Do any of us not want God to listen to us 100% of the time? Do we want God to hear every single word we ask or, th- or intercede or whatever prayer we throw up? I think so. For a human being to listen 100% of the time, I believe is a supernatural thing. So I pray right now that God will just pour out his spirit and we listen to what he's trying to tell us today. The United States president, FDR, often endured long receiving lines in the White House. As the story is told, he complained that no one paid attention to what was said. So he decided to do an experiment at a reception. To everyone who passed down the line and shook his hand, he said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. The guest responded with phrases like, marvelous, keep up the good work. God bless you, sir. It wasn't until the end of the line greeting the ambassador from Bolivia that his words were actually heard. Non-pulsed, the ambassador whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. The title of today's message is Slip and Slide. I remember when I got my first slip and slide on the side of our house, and it was a hot day like today, and just going down and sliding. Well, I hope this is a message blessed by the Lord, and it's cool. But spiritually, we don't want to slip and slide. But guess what, everybody? We all have. We've all slipped in our walk with the Lord, and we slid. And I don't know about you, but when I return to my vomit, when I return to my sin, I'm right back where I was when I left it, and I keep going further on the slide down. And I think that is something that God has warned us from Genesis to Revelation. Do you ever see this on your car? You know, the vehicle light comes up. And how many of us ignore it? Maybe you're like this person who likes to sing a song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And you just ignore it. Or maybe you're this person. Nah, it'll be fine. And take the magic marker and just go over the light. Or maybe you're like this person. And hopefully, you're never like this person. (laughs) 
What could possibly go wrong? Now, we're in Mark chapter 14, but before that even happened, like two weeks at least, if not more, before Jesus went to the Last Supper and then went to the cross, he said to his disciples in Mark 9, 31 to 32, For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they didn't understand him and were afraid to ask him. Don't ever be afraid to ask God something that you don't understand. Because if he's re- if you're reading it or you're hearing it, he wants you to know it. The very words of God, he wants you to know for a reason. Now, here's a picture of the Temple Mount. So if you go to the left, you would see the dome on the rock. So we're only showing you a a portion of the wall that goes around the Temple Mount. Down in here to the left is the city of David, the old city of David. So Jesus, in the section of scripture I'm showing you today is leaving this area. He's crossing over the Kidron Valley and look, he's climbing up this hill to the Mount of Olives, a great workout. And then he's going to take a left over into this patch of trees, which is the garden of Gethsemane. Now take a look at Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 27. So they've just crossed over the Kidron Valley. They're on their way up that hill to the Mount of Olives and to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in verse 27, then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now that was said on the Mount of Olives, on the way to the Mount of Olives, to his apostles. Did they listen? Did they understand? When they heard God speak, were they aware of what he was trying to say to them? Are you and I aware of what God tries to say to him? Every time we open up his word, every time we hear a message preached, Do you understand it's specifically for you as an individual because of his grace and his love for you? He wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to the saving knowledge of him. That is amazing that God would love us that much. Now, in verse 29 of Mark 14, Peter says, we all love Pete, right? We can all identify with Peter. Peter says to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Not me. They might stumble, but not me. And here's our first problem. We're going to look at 10 things this morning that can cause any one of us to slip and slide. And unlike 
The slip and slide that gets wet and gets you wet. This is not a slip and slide that we want to go on. So the first point is self-confidence. See my brothers down here. If I'm on the foul line, I want to have confidence because I've shot a thousand foul shots. I know my extension was good. I'll do it right this time. So I've done a thousand foul shots just to take two or three in a game. So I have confidence. Good confidence. That's good self-confidence. But this confidence that Peter had when Jesus was telling him what was about to happen was a warning to them. But they didn't heed it. They didn't get it. They didn't listen. There was too much Peter in Peter. I can identify with that. I know when there was too much Vinny in Vinny. Can you say the same thing? I think so. It's human nature. It's a sin nature. Peter liked to boast about himself. Not I. Maybe them. Maybe those guys. But not me. And a couple weeks earlier. Right up in the northern part of Israel. Jesus said. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, you know, no mere man has shown this to you, but my father in heaven. I'm not going to call you Simon anymore, Simon anymore, but Peter, which means rock. So here's Peter. He thinks he's rocky. He can take on the whole world and win. He doesn't need to rely on God. I rely on myself. I can get through this. Mark 14 in your Bibles, verses 30 to 31. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter, Rocky, spoke even more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And his whole team said, likewise, here's the second problem. Resisting God when he's trying to show you something. Peter knew it all. We need to be at the point. I don't know anything, Lord, except what you show me. Let me take what you show me and hide it in my heart so I don't sin against you. So I don't slip and I don't slide. I want to hang on every single word that you say to me. Peter wouldn't listen to God. He listened to himself, his own heart. And Jesus says, what about the heart? It's wicked. It's evil. It's got to be changed by the master heart surgeon, Jesus himself. Or he would listen to others. Pastor Paul's in Job, right? All the Job's friends, all that Garbage advice they gave him. They weren't helping the situation. They were making it worse. Whenever the word of God cannot reach you before a fall, there is nothing left but a fall. What is God trying to say to each one of us today? Right? Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe something's going on and it's no coincidence you're here or you're listening online. 
God loves you so much. He's trying to reach into your heart and do a work. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. The Bible. God's life book to mankind. Genesis to Revelation are the words of God. Bible says every jot and tittle, everything in there has a meaning for you and me. When you go up through the Kidron Valley and you walk up the Mount of Olives and you take that left and you go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means oil press. Oil press. There's olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane to this day. They feel that some of them might be about 2,000 years old. Can you imagine? Some of those were there when Jesus was around. That's incredible. And they would take olives and they would put it in this stone structure. And the big wheel on top would go around and would crush the olives. Crush it. For the pure oil to come out. You ever feel like you're being crushed? Ever feel like you're being pressed and you don't know if you can take any more of it? Well, God is pressing you for that oil to be present. And you know, right? Most of you know that in the scriptures, what an oil is uh, compared to, right? The Holy Spirit. You see, when it's less of us and more of God, more of the Holy Spirit is shining through. And here's another picture from a different angle of a beautiful garden Gethsemane, the olive trees. In Mark 14, 32 to 36, if you just flip over there, and I'm going to run down the steps, and I'm going to get a Bible because I don't have Mark up there right now. So if you turn to Mark... Chapter 14. That was the Holy Spirit because I opened up my Bible and guess where it went to? Honest. Mark 14. It's right there. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Mark 14, verses 32 to 36. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. What I like about verse 33 is that he took Peter, James, and John with him. Do you know God knows you by name? He wants to take you individually with him to a deeper place in your relationship with him. Verse 34, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So this happened like three times. He came back to his 
those three guys. And they were asleep every time. Just think about that for a second. Jesus is going through anxiety, the pressure of knowing that he's going to the cross. And this is in his human side. This is his human nature feeling all this. His God nature, let's do it. Let's go. I'm doing it for my buds. I'm doing it for Calvary Chapel, Jamesburg. I'm going, I'm doing it for everybody who's listening when they tune in. I'm going to the cross to shed my blood for their sins and the sins of the whole world. Because I love the whole world. There's nobody I won't accept. No one. I accept everybody. That's why I'm dying on the cross. I love everybody. They're my creation. Going back to the text, Mark 14, verses 32. I'm sorry, Mark 14, verses 37 and 38. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Hello, anybody sleeping? Poke the guy next to you, wake him up. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you really sleeping again? Could you not watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. Oh, prayerlessness, the third thing. The third warning that we don't slip and slide, prayer. It's one of the greatest needs of the church. Did you know that? And it's also one of the greatest weaknesses because not enough people are praying. We're a team. Guys, girls, we're a, t- we're a team. This team is as strong as its weakest prayer warrior. Whew. We need to pray. We're in a spiritual battle. Did you know that? Pretty much every moment of every day for the whole, our whole lives. <laughs> We're in a spiritual battle. The first line of defense is prayer. Being a prayer warrior. So I want to encourage you in that area. A lot of times what hurts us, right, is time management. We don't have enough time. Yeah, you do. You drive a car. You walk somewhere. I think most of you go to the bathroom, so you have time to pray. But there's distractions, right? You get distracted real easy. If you've, if you've been a prayer person, you know that when you pray, all of a sudden you think of all these things. Well, to have a pad with you and write down those things. Change the oil. Get the bread and milk. Whatever. Just write that down so you can get rid of those distractions and you can pray. Every day, Ready? Flesh or the spirit wins. One of the two things wins. Or it's this. Flesh wins. Flesh loses. Spirit wins. Spirit loses flesh. We want to try to have a steady line, don't we? A consistency with the Lord. In Mark 14, verses 46 and 47. Now, they've come to the point where the soldiers and Judas are now in the Garden of Gethsemane. Talk about now the pressure is really coming on. Now the reality of everything Jesus told his guys 
weeks before is coming to fruition. So in verse 46 to 47, then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Oh, how many of us can relate to that move? Not literally cutting off somebody's ear, but that impulsive action. Just reacting. Somebody cuts you off. Uh, the boss says something to you at work. Just something to send you off on a, another t- into the flesh more. Well, as children of the king, you need to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. So do I. Listen, right? We got two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as long as you speak. Listen first. Pray before you speak or act. This is a discipline, but it's a supernatural discipline that if you tell the Lord, Lord, I need this discipline in my life. I need to be able to listen first, pray, and then speak to you before I act or speak. I need to talk to you. Now, carnal methods to draw people to God. There are things that you might be in that... Romans 8.28 comes into play. God loves you so much that he will work out those things in your life right now to draw you to him. Like nothing can stop God from working. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can, no place you can go. I mean, Jonah, right? Try to go a couple thousand miles away from God's word. You can't outrun God. But with Peter, when he cut off this guy's ear, he didn't get everything the Lord was teaching him for three years. This was Jesus's purpose. Right? You've heard this before. He was the only person ever born to die. You and I weren't born to die. We're born to live forever. But because of sin, the aging process, the whole thing. But God promises us new bodies one day. We have that hope. But... Peter was going against God's plan because he didn't understand it. He didn't ask God to explain more to him what he didn't understand. So what does Peter do in the garden? He takes a sword. I'm going to defend my Lord. I'm Rocky. I'm going to cut off his ear. This will stop over 600 guys. And we only have two swords, by the way. There's only two swords they got. They asked Jesus, should we bring a couple swords? Yeah, bring a couple swords. They had 600 guys plus against them. Good luck with two swords. Do you fight your battles with carnal swords, with fleshly swords? Do you fight your spiritual battles? Do I with those fleshly swords that really can't do anything? The principalities and powers that we're up against. My goodness. We need supernatural help. And only God can give us that. We don't count the cost, do we, or the consequences when we act impulsive? Peter, like us so many times, work out of self-confidence. We said it, now I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to back up my words no matter what it takes. I'm going to get the sword this time. See if this works. Oops, I don't think I should have done that. Now, it's interesting in the garden, just not even an hour probably earlier, Peter was being passive in the garden when Jesus asked him to stay and watch and pray. He was passive. He fell asleep. Now, when he should be chilling, what's he doing? 
He's active. He takes out the sword and starts hacking. Knowing the time and place is very important, but that can only be led by the Spirit. Okay, next one. Mark fourteen fifty. in your reading. Then they all forsook him and they fled. They all ran. They took off. With this arrest, they all took off. They left Jesus. So, point five in slip and slide is unfaithfulness. The times that you and I take Jesus off the throne of our lives and put ourselves there or something else, something or someone else on the throne. You replace him with yourself. Excuses for not doing things of God or for God. You make excuses. Well, I earned this today. I, I need to chill. I need to do this today. I don't need to do the things of God right now. I'm just going to do this. So you start making compromises with your relationship with the Lord. You're self-centered instead of other-centered. Jesus is the greatest other-centered person that ever lived. He left his throne in heaven to come to this earth for you. Now, you is not a general statement. You is you. You, you, you. It's me. It's you as an individual. He came for you. He knows you by name. Now, the question. Are you running in the opposite direction of God? Because he says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. That's a beautiful thing. In John... You don't have to turn there. It's up. It should be up on the screen. John eighteen eighteen says, Now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there. For it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So they've left the garden. They've gone down the hill now. They've gone into the, Jerusalem. Okay, they're in the city now. So Peter and John are following at a distance. And notice, I have highlighted there in blue, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Who did he stand with? He was standing with the servants and the officers who made a fire. And then in Mark fourteen fifty four, it says, But Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And now notice what's happening. He sits with the servants and he warms himself by the fire. Does that remind you of anything that God talks about in the scriptures? Notice his position. He stood and then he sat. How about Psalm 1 verses 1 and 2? Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates Day and night. So the sixth slip and slide point. Following Christ at a distance. Are you doing that? Are you just keeping him at a safe distance? Not too close, but he's there. You see, when you follow Christ at a distance, intimate fellowship with him is broken. You don't get to know him as well as he wants you to know him. You start falling away from Jesus. He gets further and further away till you don't see him anymore. 
and your sinning increases. That's why God says, draw close to me and I will hide from you. No, he doesn't say that. Hello? He says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. He's not going to run and hide. He wants to have that fellowship with you. Now, also in the, in the verses in John and Mark at the fire, he was in wrong company. He was associating with the wrong crowd. And situations might come up in our life where we're tempted to fall in with the wrong crowd. And eventually what happens is we start denying Jesus with our words, then our actions, and then there's some spiritual death that starts going in. And it could lead to physical death. It could. But guess what? Our God, yes, allows U-turns. He allows you and me to turn. It's a fancy name for that called repentance. To turn and follow him. How cool is that? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what age you are, doesn't matter. He allows you turns. He loves you. He loves you. In Mark 14, in your reading, verses 66 to 68. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, notice, be low. No, don't be low. Be up. Fly above the normalcy of this culture. Don't be low it. Don't let it crush you and form you into its mold. But Peter, now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and the rooster crowed. Oh, no, I don't know him. Well, what are you talking about, little girl? Boy, how he changed, right? Just an hour, not even, probably a couple hours, he just changed. And he was intimidated by this little servant girl. Where before, he was ready to take on 600 or more people. Whoa, isn't the flesh nutty? What it does to us? (laughs) How it makes us from one side to the other? It's so crazy how it plays with our heart and our mind. What we're seeing here is the A slip and slide. Fear. Peter was afraid. He was afraid he was going to be arrested for chopping off the guy's ear because he was at one of the relatives' houses who might have seen Peter do this. So now he's denying it. But the question for you and I today is, does fear control you? Right? What is happening in your life or my life, where fear is controlling us. That shouldn't be. It says in the scripture that perfect love casts out all fear. And God is love. And Jesus is God. He came that we would be set free from the flesh and all the anxiety, stress, worries, fear, all that stuff. He wants to cut chains. He wants to set you free to be the person he created you to be. And it's never too late. You know why? Because God allows. I'm getting older. I can't hear. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Matthew 
26 to 71 says, And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. So here's us, another girl approaches him and accuses him. And in verse 72 of Matthew 26, But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. I don't know him. Now, we think of the word oath in a, in a certain way. But back here, when they made a statement like that, he was swearing. I don't know. I don't know who this is. Peter lied under oath that he called on himself. I'm taking an oath. I don't know this man. Boy, how Peter has digressed. How do we deceive ourselves the same way, right? With the mind games we play with ourselves. Jesus calls us to die to self. To die to self so that he can shine through us. To set us free and to also touch other lives who are hurting. Mark 14, back to the original text, verses 70 to 71. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. His dialect was different. They could tell he wasn't one of them. He was from a different region. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now, some people think he was cursing like profanity. But there's also... The possibility that he was saying, I call eternal damnation on my soul if I know this man. So he went to the very extreme to try to show the people who were accusing him. I don't know this guy. I'm willing to be damned. I don't know him out of fear, out of all those things. And that and I believe it was closer to that kind of cursing. It covers the truth. When people use profanity or people uh, swear on their mother's, you know, grave. Remember little kids? Oh, yeah. I swear on my mother. And she wasn't even, she was still alive. But we just do it to try to make right a stronger point. To, but we're covering the truth. We don't know. Like, we don't know what the next incident's going to be. So he hide behind a lie. I've hid behind lies before. I'm sure you have, even if they're little lies. A lie's a lie. Just to make yourself look a little better, right? Or get out of a little uh, tricky situation. Remember, in the flesh, there's nothing good. There's nothing good in the flesh. It can't, it's, it's just no good. Back to your text, verse 72. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows. Twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. After all the stuff we've gone through, right, so far, now he's breaking down. And this, and this weeping is not just a normal crying. If you look it up, he's like crushed. He's down on the ground just crying his eyes out. He doesn't care who's around. He just feels terrible. In Luke... 22 
60 to 62. By the way, this whole thing with the, what happened in the, with Peter's denials are in all four gospels. They're in all four. And you get little bits in each one to put a whole picture together. But all four, uh, writers of the gospels felt it was important enough to put Peter's denial in every one. Isn't that something? That doesn't always happen with different things that we, uh, read. So Peter went out and whipped bitterly, whip, wept, wept but bitterly. That's a tongue twister. Okay, so now, have you ever been to the point in your life where you've been broken, where you've been crushed, where there was nowhere else to turn? A terrible place to be, but also a very redeeming place to be. If you take the right actions. And now here's where we see the love of Christ. As Peter is weeping, he looks and Jesus is being led out now by the soldiers and the priest. He's been beaten. He's a mess. And Jesus turns and their eyes see each other. They catch. And Peter sees a look of compassion. Think of all the stuff he's been through, but he sees a look of compassion coming from Jesus Christ. An infinite love that he's never, ever experienced before. There was a conviction. There was a conviction of who he was. And I was thinking of Isaiah. One King Uzziah died, remember? And the angel touch his lips with that burning coal and he goes i am a man of unclean lips isaiah said same type of thing he realized who he was do you realize who you are without jesus christ do you realize who you are oh. and can you see the love of christ can you see what he did for you on the cross of calvary It was a turning point in Peter's life. He felt unworthy, but he also saw the love of Christ extending forgiveness to him, even though he had a broken spirit. Throughout uh, the teaching this morning, you've heard different things, but there's a lot of threes. There's three promises of Peter that he made. He said he would not fall away from Jesus, that he would follow Jesus to prison. He would die rather than deny Jesus. Three times Jesus tells Peter to stay awake, watch and pray. Three times Peter falls asleep. Uh, Peter had a resolve, a prior resolve, but Peter was also unprepared for warfare. He had fear of his actions. And of course, as we've seen, he, he had three denials. So we know Judas went out and hung himself. He betrayed Jesus too. You might have betrayed Jesus. You might have denied Jesus. I think we all have, right, in actions that we've chosen when Jesus caused us to stumble. What? What do you mean he causes us to stumble? When Jesus is in a situation with you and there's a choice of your spirit to stand for God or cave into the flesh, that's where the stumble comes in. If Jesus wasn't in your life, you want to be in a position to stumble because Satan just wants you to go do your thing. I got him or her. I got him. 
But boy, when Jesus shows up, now here's a spiritual warfare. The warfare is going on. Peter, in his in book that Peter wrote, 1 and 2 Peter, says in verses 5 to 7, who are kept by the power. Now, I underline that. Remember Rocky? Oh, I can do this. <clears throat> I can do this in my own strength and power. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter's been going through a mess. He's been going through some trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. You've been tested by fire. I've been tested by fire. You might be tested by fire today. But notice, in Christ, it's going to make your faith more genuine. He's going to bring you through it. He's done that. I see some of you that he's done that with. I am a testimony of him doing that in my life. Romans 7, 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good? I don't find it. But go, tell his disciples. Oh, is this great? And tell James and Jimmy and... Bob and Ed and Vinny and Mary and Sue and Maria and go and, and tell his disciples and Peter. Why? Why does he emphasize Peter? Because he knew Peter's heart. He knew his state that he was in. Remember, this is over 50 days later after what happened. Oh, Peter ran and hid. Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. And now he's saying, but go tell his disciples and be sure you tell Pete. Please tell Pete. I want Pete to know. And guess what? Jesus wants you to know that he died and rose for you regardless of what you've done. Amen for that? Amen. Praise God. Yeah, that's awesome. We can never clap enough about what Jesus did at the cross 2,000 years ago because it's relevant today because we're relevant today. We're not in eternity. We're still going through the gook. We're still being pressed by the situations of life. But Jesus is right there and he wants you and I to know that he's with us. And notice here he finishes by saying that he's going before you into Galilee. Remember, they forgot what he had said before, that he would meet him in Galilee. But they also forgot that he was going to be crucified. He was going to rise from the dead. They forgot all that stuff because they didn't listen 100% like you guys are listening right now. And what will happen? There you will see him as he said to you. God, in, in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, he talks about growing in the grace and knowledge of God. He wants all of us to grow in grace and knowledge. Grace is unmerited favor. It's a gift. And the knowledge of God we get 
by putting our face in the real You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.